Hello, everyone. My name is Katherine Barron. I'm a longtime education reporter and host of The Score, a podcast about academic integrity and cheating. We explore the landscape of cheating in school and delve into the key issues at play in this multifaceted issue challenging academia today. In each episode, we speak with faculty, scholars, or students and ask them to provide insights into what's happening in college and university classrooms and why. How big a problem is it? Who cheats? As well as what policies, regulations, prevention efforts, and changes in teaching and assessment show promise in curbing cheating. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at podcastthescore, that's one word, or stop by our website to download show notes and see our lineup of guests and release dates. Again, that's podcastthescore.com. On this episode of The Score, I'm joined by Melissa Izarek, a contributing editor at Inside Higher Ed, where she manages survey-based content for the Student Voice News Hub. She recently wrote a series of articles based on responses to a survey focused on student behaviors and perspectives related to academic integrity. Melissa has been covering higher education since 2005. Welcome to The Score. Thanks for having me. So first question, and since we're talking about cheating, no peeking, uh, what is your biggest takeaway from the survey that you recently published? What, what surprised you about it? Let's see. So I think it would have to be all the gray areas. In fact, one of my analysis articles, I think, was called Shades of Gray on Student Cheating. We asked how acceptable various activities were to students And, um, you know, just to give a couple examples, only 17% said it's acceptable on some level to use unapproved technology tools during an online exam. And that's an indicator that over 80% of students likely wouldn't cheat on their exams, or at least not most of the time. But when asked about the ethics of, say, using a search engine to get answers on homework, students are a lot more likely to say it's acceptable. Only 10% say Googling on homework is unacceptable. One student wrote in that small assignments actually should not be of concern to faculty in terms of cheating. thought that was interesting. Another surprise to me was getting perspective about low numbers of reports for cheating. Professors are definitely under-reporting cheating for a variety of reasons. That includes that they don't trust the systems in place to manage accusations, or maybe they worry the institution may be too hard on a student, or they may just think that reporting will reflect badly on them as an educator. I've heard quite a bit of that, but, but what's interesting too, and what's a little bit surprising is Is this dichotomy that you found and that other researchers have found? And this is an interesting finding from a study titled Academic Dishonesty and Testing, How Student Beliefs and Test Settings Impact Decisions to Cheat. One of the authors of that, Jarrett Dyer, the former president of the National College Testing Association, discussed this when we spoke. It wasn't a terribly large study, 734 students, and they were able to use 484 of the responses. But they found that while 61% of students interviewed admitted they had cheated on tests, they said they don't do it very often and generally don't think it's acceptable. However, when asked about specific types of cheating, more than 75% said they don't consider all types of cheating to be totally unacceptable. And so that ranged from like having someone take your test, that's a no-no, but it's okay to talk to someone who already took the test. 
So in other words, they view academic integrity as conditional. Is that what you found? Yeah, I think that goes back to the, to the gray area that I was mentioning before. You know, I think students are making choices about individual instances where maybe cheating's okay, and perhaps that's related to their stress level in the moment. Perhaps they're not cheating at all in a class that they know they're going to need the content mastered for a job after graduation, but maybe something they see as more elective. They may be more likely to cheat if they, you know, are feeling those demands from all areas of their lives. One dean that I spoke with, he had talked about developing their university's honor code. And, you know, what he finds himself telling people is that 5% of students would probably cheat any opportunity they get. Another 5% of students would absolutely never cheat, and the remaining 90% could probably be moved in one direction or another, if you don't get your messaging right, is the way he refers to that. So I think it's absolutely situational. That sounds like the electorate today. Most people are somewhere in the middle. <laughs> they can be swayed either way. I, I want to just, before we get back to your findings, I, I just want to ask you to t- tell us about the student voice surveys. You cover a lot of issues. What was the impetus for creating this project? So we started Student Voice a little over a year ago, and we're actually currently working on our 16th survey. So we're you know, covering a variety of issues that are important to students. And the idea is that higher ed is undergoing a transformation on many fronts. And so it's more critical than ever that leaders and educators know how various issues are affecting students. Our hope is that our data will be useful in decision making. Uh, Certainly better than assuming one knows what students are thinking on a particular issue and making decisions accordingly. So the idea here is to give institutional leaders insights that they need to address pertinent and overlooked student needs. In terms of this survey, um, well, we're always looking at 2,000 undergrads for our sample. Uh, It was exactly 2,000 on this particular survey with uh, 98 universities represented And these questions were asked in uh, mid-October. So students definitely don't all feel that colleges and universities seek their input into decisions that affect them. In which areas did your survey indicate that kind of a disconnect between students and faculty or students and the administration? Absolutely some disconnect there. And this kind of comes out more in my reporting than the survey itself, since the survey itself was just of students. But, you know, basically what's unacceptable to students might be seen differently by their professors or by administrators. One of my sources was working on an academic honor code and asking similar questions to students of what's in our survey. And he found that the responses generally lined up pretty well, but they did discover some things, uh, you know, where students felt something was unacceptable that faculty did not. And the, the biggest example he gave me was the idea of discussing homework with your roommate, both of you working on the same assignment and maybe having a conversation about it. And, you know, you would think collaboration is valued and acceptable, but the faculty that he had surveyed said, oh, my gosh, no, that's not OK. <laughs> um, we had a university, I think it was a public university respondent to our survey who said that professors' expectations are not always clear or fair. She or he said, on the homework, I feel like it doesn't matter as much. If you don't know how to do it, knowing the answer helps figure out the process and learn, then of course you should be able to look it up. Um, You know, we're not spending time in class going over homework. You can't always get to a tutoring tutoring center. So she felt, you know, justified in, in doing that in that instance, which, you know, she probably didn't even consider cheating. 
a student that I interviewed for the story, she actually spent time during the pandemic in South America, where home was, and she was in quarantine on a farm without any Wi-Fi. Her professor wanted her to take a quiz while connected via Zoom, and she found that her cellular connection was so bad it would break up every few minutes, the screen would look choppy, and the professor actually saw that as trying to cheat, and she tried to explain, and he just didn't really understand, and she wound up dropping the class. Yeah. You know, and, and students also have concerns more about privacy, I think, than fairness, but with the online proctoring. And in your survey, more than 50% of the students said they're uncomfortable with that, uh, where they're being watched. I guess I'm wondering, what are some of the things that students in your survey had to say about those issues? Well, first of all, it was about seven in 10 students who had experienced online proctoring in some of their courses, at least some of their courses. So, you know, most of our sample. About four in 10 did say it's, it's very or somewhat easy to cheat on tests when they're online, even in spite of online proctoring. But absolutely, they, they see it as invasive. They see it as uncomfortable um, to, the, to the fact that, you know, there's been a lot of media attention on, you know, some picking up behaviors that may not actually, you know, be anything but innocent. And because of that, some institutions are actually now staying away from it. But I, we did find that four in 10 students do see online proctoring as useful in preventing cheating. And I think one of my experts said that, you know, in some ways it, it levels the playing field. Would you say that those are the students who don't want to cheat um, and are really happy that there are better ways to, to identify students who are cheating so that the students who actually studied aren't um, – you know, they, they, their grades don't suffer because someone else cheated to do well and, and they studied and they get a lower grade. So one student had done a group project and her peer had asked for a little bit of help with the introduction that he was struggling with. And that was the piece that he was getting graded on. And so she typed some thoughts into a Google Doc and said, you know, maybe you could get started something along these lines. And he wound up submitting that just as it was as the introduction, and he got credit for it. In fact, he got a better grade for his part than she got for her part. And it was so frustrating to her, not only that he did it, but that when she tried to point it out to the professor, he basically didn't believe her. I think she said he even laughed at her. She went to the Google Doc. She said, you can see my name is the only one as an editor or an author here in the history. And, you know, basically nothing was done. And she was not happy about that. But one nice thing is that she channeled that energy in a positive way. And now she's part of the honor board. So she helps to maintain academic integrity at their institution. Well, that definitely speaks to the need that some faculty and students say for a common uh, policy across the campus, right? That this is how it's going to go. Um, I think right now, in many places, it's up to the to the professor, and nobody really has oversight. That's probably really difficult for some of them. I, I don't know. Did they discuss that? I mean, in this situation, this student did, but did you see other similar kinds of concerns? I think we saw some write-in comments to that effect that you know, it's not fair that a professor might handle it one way for one student, a different way for another student. You know, if you don't have strong policies in place, you know, just how much a professor has a connection to a particular student, you know, some sort of rapport built already may make a determination, you know, whether he or she reports, um, you know, or, or what the, the consequence would be if you did cheat. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I spoke to one professor who said that 
he will expel a student for cheating from his class. That's it. You're out. You get an F. It goes on your permanent record. He sees it as a deterrent and a punishment. (laughs) And then others sort of maybe give you a slap on the wrist or in the case that you mentioned, nothing at all. (laughs) Just let it go. Um, So I I do think that students are, are kind of miffed about that. I think that one big question, though, is why do students cheat? I don't think that your survey asked that directly, but it did ask why students in general might cheat. And I'm wondering if you can talk about that. What are the factors that they say today lead them to cheat, even if they don't see themselves as a, as a cheater? Sure. Uh, the top response that we found is something that was a contributor to academic cheating, according to students was pressure to do well, and that's from, you know, family or academic requirements. The second biggest reason was lack of preparation for exams, and that, you know, who's that on? That's on the student for that one. And the third was heavier, unrealistic course loads. And the fourth was actually the opportunity to cheat. (laughs) So it was there, so I took it. Um, One expert that I spoke to kind of framed it as, you know, everyone has their price. It's stress or family pressure, time constraints. Everyone's got some sort of breaking point. And most students are able to reach that breaking point over the course of a particular semester, is his thought. One interesting thing is the the concept that, you know, cheaters aren't evil. Cheaters aren't inherently bad. And I've got a great quote from a student that relates to this and, and the whys. Student says, I used to hate people who cheat. Now I feel sorry for them because cheating isn't something bad people do. It's something desperate people do. Why does this person feel compelled to disregard academic integrity? Too much work, not enough time, too much pressure from students and guardians. Grades mean so much and if they don't achieve at a high enough level, it is a reflection of their personal worth. Why didn't they prepare more? There's always a reason. thought that was very telling. We, we didn't ask this directly, but experts noted that there's a shift from most students going to college to develop the, the, the meaningful philosophy of life. And now it's most students going to college to get a job. And so you've got that extrinsically motivated focus that sets the scene for more cheating. That's true. You know, one person I spoke with said college is now kind of transactional, in part because it's so expensive. Well, I'm giving you $60,000 and I expect a degree. <laughs> you know, that's the way it goes. And they do want they do want the job. They want a better job. They want a, a better chance of getting into grad school. That type of thing. Um, you, you know, you you mentioned time constraints. There's also you know the stress, right? Well, students today have reported self reported being far more anxious and under more stress than say we were when we were in college. And I kind of vacillate about that because college has always been stressful. There is a lot of work. It is a new environment that students have to adjust to. And it's important to have strong study skills and discipline to do well, which I think many students don't have. But research does indicate that stress, anxiety, and depression are off the charts, especially since the pandemic started. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this. Are are we as a society and as colleges and universities ignoring a huge mental health problem that's really contributing to this situation? I wouldn't say ignoring, but I think it's hard to understand if you're not a student 
just how stressful it is to be a student during this never-ending pandemic. Uh, you know, the social piece has been taken out of school, or at least it was for many semesters. And, you know, there's still measures in place, the, the idea of being behind a mask for many, many, many months. We have been asking students in various surveys about their current mental health uh, status, like how they would rate it. We asked them last spring and 65% said it's fair or poor. When we asked them at the end of the fall semester, it was 60%. So just 5% better that said it's fair or poor. And that was actually pre-Omicron. So just before the world blew up once again. Uh, So, you know, I think that there needs to be focus on mental health from the assumption that most students, nearly all students are struggling. You know, maybe they don't have clinical depression, but they need help learning to cope. And the idea is that schools can be teaching coping skills to everybody and not just those who are calling that counseling center for an appointment. So I think that, you know, this all this all relates here for sure. And uh, not that college wasn't stressful many moons ago, but it's it's taken on new levels of stress in the past few years. Um, I've got another quote from a student that relates to stress that I thought was interesting. The student says, stop assigning work as if students are only taking that one class and dedicate their entire life to school. Many students are taking multiple classes on top of having a job, extracurriculars, events, networking, possible illnesses, families and loved ones to take care of. People sometimes have to make compromise and sacrifice a grade in one class to do better in another because there's only so much time in a day. If people didn't feel like they have to compromise, perhaps they wouldn't feel so compelled to cheat or to use shortcuts. Right. Well, I I, I do. I have read that because college is so much more expensive today that, that a lot more students have to work and they work longer hours. And, and if you have a family, then it, that's probably even more of a conflict in, in terms of your schedule. Absolutely. And students, uh, of course, during the height of COVID were concerned about themselves getting it or people they know, their family getting it. And that, that just has to put a huge strain on you. Sure. I had one student who told me about what the beginning of the fall semester was like compared to, you know, maybe the spring last year. And how, you know, even if you had a class to sit in physically, you were constantly kind of waiting for that text message that says, you know, so-and-so has COVID, Um, you know, someone in your family has it. And it's like this added level of stress that's underlying everything as you're going about your day. Um, And in fact, he told me this fall, he did get the message during a class uh, that his mother had COVID. And, you know, just being in a place where there were vaccines and she was able to get antibodies right away. And it's just kind of like, you know, he took a deep breath, he sighed, but he said to himself, okay, it's going to be all right. And he knows that if that had happened a year prior, he would have been much more worried. Sure. Well, first of all, the the virus itself was much more deadly um, than Omicron initially. So that's one big thing. And we do have many more treatments today. But I can't imagine being in that situation when and having all these other responsibilities. Um, the, the survey also asked what students say is helpful to them in terms of learning. And, and I maybe even adjusting to college. And what did they say about that? Well, we asked uh, students, first of all, how they feel about how cheating accusations are handled on their campus. 
And the majority at least somewhat agree, actually. Um, I think it's like eight and 10 that almost some would agree that it is handled fairly. So I think that says a lot about them, you know, wanting to be aware of what systems are in place for when the accusation is made. So they would find that helpful to know. I think one school actually puts uh, flow charts on their website, you know, an accusation has been made about you. Here's what the next steps are going to look like. And I think that kind of visualization is probably helpful to students to, you know, take a little bit of the stress away, especially if they feel like they've been unfairly accused. Um, we've got some schools that are kind of embedding content and academic integrity into like intro courses that all freshmen take. Southern New Hampshire U is one example. So uh, they take a course on what to expect from the college experience, and there's content on academic integrity kind of built into that. And then uh, throughout the year, they hold information campaigns on what academic integrity is and what, you know, what the expectations are. And while most of our students found that their school's policies were pretty clear, I think that they appreciate and want to make sure they are aware of what they're expected to do or not to do and, you know, ethically what their behaviors should be. We have seen a shift toward um, how academic integrity accusations are handled. Um, We're seeing, it's still kind of small numbers, but... More schools are, for instance, putting uh, students on their honor board or doing like a restorative justice approach to the accused. UC San Diego, actually, if anyone gets accused, they complete an academic integrity seminar that's kind of on making better ethical decisions. And they actually get assigned a coach of some sort to kind of, you know, work through with them what went wrong. How could we prevent this from happening again? And, and then if no more violations come up, even if they've been suspended for it, the suspension gets canceled. So there's the idea that you can kind of prove that you, you do want to be a member of this community, you want to uphold academic integrity, even if you've made a mistake. And, and they kind of give them, you know, a lighter sentence for being a first-time offender, right? I think so, in most cases. <laughs> Well, you know, a lot of people say that's the way to go. I I, I think the person you spoke with, I think I've interviewed her too at UC San Diego. Um, And yeah, she she said that we we maybe need to look at it instead of being more on the punishment side uh, as being more on that restorative justice side. And Perhaps. And one more point I can make is that we asked students if they had been taught directly how to cite sources um, or if they know where to go for support if they don't understand an assignment. And uh, we did find that those who were taught how to properly cite sources seemed to be at least more confident that they kind of are, are, you know, following along ethically what they're supposed to be doing. So I think the education and various fronts could be helpful here. Right. So, so they're not trying to pass it off as their own. Is that what it means? That they are giving the attribution where it should be? Uh, yes, exactly. Right. Okay. So based on the results of this survey, what, what were you thinking about you know, recommendations to colleges and universities to, to discourage cheating or, or how to handle it when there are instances of cheating. So two thirds of the students we surveyed do agree that having an honor code encourages more ethical behavior. And I heard from some experts that, you know, a lot of schools may say they have an honor code, they may implement it in some way, but there's very few schools 
that are truly focused on this and have it embedded as part of their culture. Um, you know, in terms of students who were thinking that, you know, using a search engine is okay, when we filtered those results to include students who said their college officials communicate about academic integrity or cheating in some way and do that often, they're more likely to find Googling on homework unacceptable. I think that's just an example that, you know, maybe education helps, maybe it doesn't move the needle a whole lot, at least according to our results, but that it certainly can't hurt. Do any of the the colleges and universities, ha- have they tracked it to see, uh, such as UC San Diego, if their rates of cheating are decreasing as a result of some of these efforts? I think what I heard from my interviews the most is that reports increase a lot once awareness goes up. And, and in some cases, that's encouraging faculty to actually make a report. But, you know, that doesn't mean that the outcome is that a student is getting a consequence in any way. Um, One other topic that came up was this idea of authentic assessments. You know, if a teacher is not choosing multiple choice and out of the book exam questions that are easy to look up, cheating is just inherently more difficult. So we had asked about that. And I think 80% of our students surveyed said that, yes, they're noticing assessments that are more authentic in nature. Uh, I think the pushback from faculty is that these are much harder to develop and to grade and that, you know, that's something that maybe they need some time built in to do, um, even if only, you know, initially some extra time or, you know, to get recognition for spending the time doing something like that. But, you know, the idea is shifting focus on teaching to more shifting it to the actual learning. And, you know, I think students can certainly appreciate that concept. You were talking about honor codes. And from what I've read and and heard from folks, that again, just like with what is cheating and how to address it, there's really not a consistent definition of what is a good honor code. And, And some schools say we have an honor code, but other schools would say, no, that's really not, and it's not going to be effective at all. Uh, have you heard anything to that effect? Uh, unfortunately, I don't think there's any, you know, template out there. And that's probably just because there's some disagreement on what to include in it, perhaps. Uh, you have individual teachers having students sign honor codes that are on the syllabus. So teachers that, you know, maybe are more focused on this concept in general and making sure that students truly get what the expectations are of them. You know, I think it comes down to that it it, maybe it won't help significantly, but it probably couldn't hurt to to focus somewhat on this area. And, and, you know, you know, looking at that 90 percent who could be swayed either way, you know, if one third of them were reached by having this honor code that they signed and having something contractual, maybe that makes a big difference. But what that something is, you know, it's hard to say what what the perfect something is. Right. Like you you were talking about uh, students saying how easy it is. Uh, One student I I read, and maybe this was from one of the student comments uh, that you received if they didn't want us to cheat, they shouldn't make it so easy. So I thought that was kind of an interesting way to look at it. I, I feel like in general, we see a lot of responses that relate to, well, well, if you weren't doing this in this way, I wouldn't be doing this in this way. So they're not really taking responsibility. <laughs> they're saying it's the school's fault. Or 
you know, if, if you, I don't know. I mean, that's what it sounds like in a way. Uh, make it hard for me and then I won't do it. <laughs> when you were talking about authentic assessment, I, I think one thing that came to mind, which I, I believe you also wrote about was if you're a professor who's been using the same exam for 10 years, you, you kind of are asking for it, I think, because students talk to each other. That's just the way it is. Yes, absolutely. I, I, one of my experts said that, you know, you actually could still do a multiple choice test that's better designed to be more authentic. It's just, you know, changing it up and making students think a little bit differently about the way that they, they may come across their response. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it, it's something that needs to be addressed from many sides that clearly, as we've talked about on the score, it's not it's not a, a singular problem. There's not one reason students cheat. And therefore, there's clearly not one way to deter it. Is that your sense? Yes, it's absolutely a multifaceted problem. And, you know, like any behavior, if there's multiple reasons for it, solving it is going to be complicated. And the reasons for cheating are, are very individualized, even though we see some trends, you know, pointing towards some reasons more than others. I have one other quote from a student that I think may be helpful to share. And this is kind of related to professors, um, you know, handling things themselves and, you know, what kind of situation that creates. And, you know, this is um, a pretty scary quote to read. It's just disheartening. Student says, professors are not reporting it, but are instead handling it themselves. And this leads to unfair situations where students are punished and get no chance to petition against the allegations. The current way my campus is handling this almost caused me to take my life last fall. And this is a person who's a senior now. So they pointed out that they know what college is like. Um, it's unacceptable to punish students for trying to pass classes by working together or using resources outside of class to help with homework. If students need outside material and are spending the time looking for it, maybe it's a shortcoming of the professor that's causing it. That's just awful to hear a student being that depressed by the situation. It, it also speaks to the mental health issues we were discussing and how stressed out they are. But it, it seems like if there are more, if one student wrote it, there are probably more students who have felt similarly to that. And it needs to be examined by universities to, to find out you know, what is it? I, I mean, I think they just need to take a, a a much deeper look at what's happening on their campuses and how that relates to cheating and mental health issues. Absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, could go into motivating teachers to actually make reports and go through the process formally. Even just sharing this this one story, I think, could be pretty powerful. Hey, I'm going to put you on the spot for a last question. Do you feel hopeful that that's that colleges and universities are beginning to take this seriously and really putting more more effort and even money into looking at how they can deter students from cheating in the first place and how they can help them with with schooling with their education so that they don't feel a need to cheat Certainly, it's getting more attention ever since the pandemic started. And, you know, everyone is assuming that cheating is easier online, even though it's possible in either environment. 
I was disheartened to learn that so few schools uh, have students as part of the the process if someone is accused. To me, that just seems like a no brainer that, of course, you know, them understanding their peers and being part of that decision making body makes so much sense. Um, you know, I think it's it's one of those issues in higher ed that everyone has to kind of play a role in thinking about and talking about. And it's it's truly a campus wide issue. It's not just an issue for professors or for deans to be thinking about. But, uh, you know, the, the student experience is um, so challenging these days. And this piece of it can be given more thought for sure. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for helping to shed more light on the student perspective around academic integrity. Melissa Azarek is a contributing editor at Inside Higher Ed, where she manages survey-based content for the Student Voice News Hub. She recently wrote a series of articles based on responses to a survey focused on student behaviors and perspectives related to academic integrity. I'm Catherine Barron. You've been listening to The Score. The Score is produced by the Academic Integrity and Research Group at Pando Public Relations. It is underwritten by Measure Learning and technical support is provided by This Is Distorted. To ask questions, to download show notes, or to learn more about The Score, visit our website at podcastthescore.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at at podcastthescore.com or find us on all the podcast platforms as The Score.